This is Health Dose, a conversational podcast surrounding issues regarding your health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. On today's episode of Health Dose, we're discussing scoliosis, also known as curvature of the spine. We're joined today by pediatric orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Francis Farley. Dr. Farley is a professor and currently serves as the chief of pediatric orthopedic surgery at the University of Michigan and assistant surgeon in chief of C.S. Mott Children's Hospital. Her special interests include congenital scoliosis, cervical spine, and pediatric trauma. We asked Dr. Farley what drew her initially to the field of pediatric orthopedics. So I went into the field of pediatric orthopedics because I had a brother who had scoliosis. And the thing that really impacted me about his treatment was that the orthopedic surgeons corrected his condition. I liked the fact that the surgeon saw there was a problem and then went to fix it. What era was this when your brother was diagnosed? Oh, he actually had infantile scoliosis, which is scoliosis that is when you're under two years old, and it was the early 70s. Things were much different about the way we we approach scoliosis in the 70s than than today. Correct. What was his prognosis and how? what was his journey like trying to find a surgeon that would help him with his condition? Well, we lived in Connecticut, so we went to uh, New York City to the hospital for special surgery, which is very well known for all orthopedic conditions. And he was taken care of there and had an operation when he was young and then a final spinal fusion when he was a teenager. What is scoliosis and what causes the condition? Scoliosis is a condition of curvature of the spine. It's a lateral curvature of the spine, and it can result in problems with your heart and your lungs if the curve gets very severe. When you say lateral curvature of the spine, your spine presents itself in sort of an S shape, I would guess? Correct. And what does that cause to a person's posture and to a person's overall, the structure of their core? You can have many problems as a result of progressive scoliosis. The easiest way to check for scoliosis is to bend somebody forward and you see a rib prominence on one side or the other. So actually, the, the rib cage sticks out on one side more than the other, is Correct. it? Correct. Typically, does this cause imbalances in other parts of the body? It can. At what age does spine curvature typically present itself, and how do you diagnose it? So unlike my brother, most curves present in the preteen or early teenage years, and that's idiopathic scoliosis. Even rarer is congenital scoliosis, which is when children are born with abnormally shaped vertebrae. But idiopathic scoliosis, the vertebrae start out as normal, and then the spine starts to curve, and then you can get secondary wedging from the scoliosis. To diagnose the condition, you need to do an x-ray, and sometimes we do an MRI if there's anything unusual. X-rays are taken to measure the amount of the curve, and that determines how we usually treat the scoliosis. Does it start to grow crooked? What causes it? Originally, what causes the scoliosis is probably genetic, but what causes it to grow or or the scoliosis curve progresses more quickly during the rapid growth years in a child's spine, which is puberty or the teenage years. Is it painful? Not usually, and that's why it can be quite significant before it's detected. So a person has a curvature of the spine, their body may be 
out of balance, but there's no actual pain associated with it in those early years. Does that change as, as they get older if it's left untreated? Yes, it can become painful if it's severe. And adults also can get scoliosis, which is relate, can be related to arthritis of the spine, and, and then it can be painful. But typically, scoliosis in teenagers is not painful. As a parent, how does one know when treatment is necessary? And how might I, as a parent, figure out that there's something different about the growth of my child's spine? So the easiest way to find scoliosis is to bend the child forward and put your hands on the child's chest on the right and left side of the chest. And if one hand is higher than the other, that's a sign of scoliosis. You can also bring the hands down on the lumbar spine. And if one hand is higher than the other, that is also a sign of scoliosis. And that's called the Adams forward bend test and is the easiest way to detect scoliosis. Is that something that's done as a part of a regular pediatric screening or pediatric checkup? Yes, and it used to be done as part of school screening, and the uh, children would all get screened for scoliosis, and that's changed as time's gone on. We're doing less of that now? Yes, less scoliosis screening, and that had to do with funding for scoliosis Mm -hmm. screening, and also the incidence is low, and so the screening large populations was not found to be cost-effective. Right, but it's even more incumbent upon a parent to be aware of what's going on with their child, I suppose. Correct. So what's the first line of treatment for someone who has a curvature of the spine? So if the curve measures under 25 degrees, usually we do observation. And uh, then we see the children every six months and get new x-rays. We really worked hard to get the amount of radiation for the scoliosis x-rays down, and there's new machines that we have that allow us to do that. And then if the curve measures 25 degrees, then we typically prescribe a brace. And there was a large national study done recently which really showed that bracing was effective if worn. And that's the, that's the real caveat with the brace wear is mm-hmm. that teenagers often don't want to wear a brace. So in that regard, you're using the muscles and the growth within that brace to try to straighten out that spine? Correct. We even found that the bracing works better when the kids are up and around. So it's gravity and the brace actually pushing on the curves and the further growth, which the whole point of the brace is to keep the curve from getting worse. But if it does get worse or the child doesn't wear the brace, what happens then? If the curve progresses to 50 degrees, to over 50 degrees in the thoracic area, then we usually recommend a spinal fusion if the child is in the teenage years. The treatment for early onset scoliosis or the very young children, we a spinal fusion is not a good answer in a young child, but in a, a child whose trunk growth has reached a normal height, a spinal fusion is a very good option. What does that include? So a spinal fusion is putting two rods, typically two rods, in the area of the spine that is the most curved. And oftentimes this can be the thoracic or the thoracic and lumbar part of the spine. The two rods are attached to the spine typically with bone screws or pedicle screws which go through the pedicle from the back to the front of the spine and anchor those two rods. The rods allow the spine to be corrected about typically 50 Mm percent. So a curve of 50 after surgery will be about 25 degrees on average. So not everybody who has 
a curvature of the spine will need this kind of a radical treatment, I'm assuming. Correct. When someone does go through this spine fusion process, how long from, say, the surgery to where you've determined that it's doing its job, how long is that period of time? Well, the period of time that we restrict kids is dramatically changing. Typically, after a spinal fusion, we allow light activities like swimming and biking at about two weeks afterwards. Because of the time that kids need to take off school, which can be up to a month, most of these spinal fusions are done in the summer. And so we're able to get kids out of the hospital much sooner recently, and we're also able to get them back to their activities much sooner than we used to. I guess the tricky part for me would be all of the nerves and all of the uh, the bundles of of nerves that come out of the spinal column. How do you deal with that when you're when you're shifting stuff around? There's two ways. So one way is that while the child's asleep, we run impulses up and down the spine. It's called neuromonitoring of the spine. And so even though the child's asleep, it's kind of an early warning um, system where we know that the spinal cord is doing fine. The other thing is we use a CT scan in the operating room to allow us to place those pedicle screws more accurately. What's the recovery process like for somebody who's had a spinal fusion? So they're restricted for three to six months. Usually we let them go back, if they're athletes, we let them go back to sports at about three months usually. They can start light activities as soon as a couple weeks after surgery as they can tolerate it. And then they work back into normal activity and We don't restrict them typically after three to six months. What kind of side effects would the surgery have? I mean, would there be pain? Would there be any kind of uh, loss of range of movement? Yes. If you fuse the pain is taken care of, it's something we've really focused on. And typically we do a spinal or an epidural anesthetic associated with the posterior spinal fusion. And we've noticed that with a protocol to get kids up and moving earlier and our pain program after the surgery that the children are leaving the hospital in an average of two days Mm. when it used to be weeks or even months in the old days after a spinal fusion. Would they experience any kind of like muscle pain or anything like that associated with it? Soon after surgery, yes, but typically as they get up and get moving, they don't need any pain medicines, usually even after a week or two after the surgery. In the 40 years since, say, we were talking about this stuff back in the 70s, we have to have come a long way in, in our have. efficacy with this kind of a treatment. Right. I, when you talk to people who had posterior spinal fusions, even around the time of Harrington, who started in the 60s and early 70s, to think that somebody can leave the hospital two days after and get back to biking right. and swimming in two weeks is unfathomable. You asked earlier about range of motion. Mm -hmm. If the spinal fusion is limited to the thoracic spine, then usually there's no restriction of motion or not much of a restriction of motion, which is really important to the kids. The lower you have to fuse into the lumbar spine, the more that the spinal motion is restricted. Which would make sense because it's more involved with the legs and hips and whatnot. Correct. So tell me about your brother's outcome. So my brother had a very good outcome. He spent a lot of his childhood in a body cast or a body brace. He had several operations, but his spine has been stabilized, and he's had other medical problems, but his spine 
has been stable. And every once in a while, I see his doctor at our spinal meetings, and I'm always giving him an update on my brother. That's so awesome. it's it's an it's a nice story. That's pediatric orthopedic surgeon Dr. Francis Farley. If you suspect that your child may have a spine curvature. Talk with your child's pediatrician or family medicine provider. For more information about Dr. Farley, visit midmichigan.org slash Farley. That's F-A-R-L-E-Y. In addition to seeing patients in Ann Arbor and Canton, Dr. Farley currently offers a pediatric orthopedic surgery clinic at MidMichigan Health Park in Bay City. As always, if you have health concerns, consult your health care provider. If you need help finding a health care provider, go to midmichigan.org slash doctors. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Check back again soon for another edition of Health Dose.